dive into this uh, new series. And as you're getting those devices out and you're looking into that um, to open up your Bibles, let me tell you, there are a lot of people sick. And when I say a lot, there are a lot of people sick. Alice has been out for several weeks. Uh, Giles has been sick. I think Sarah is now catching a little bit of it. I've been sick this week, and Lisa's now catching some of that. So she's not here today. Some in the hospital. RSV, COVID, flu, cold, and a lot of other things. So be safe. Uh, use caution and um, drink a lot of fluids and pray for one another. Lift one another up during this time. You know, it's for years growing up in ministry, I always had a cliche, a rhyme, call it a prophetic word, you know, something that went along for the beginning of the year. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. But I don't want to do it just because that's normal and that's what everybody's doing. I want to be sure and confident that I'm hearing from the Lord and what he's been speaking to me over the last several weeks as we stepped into 2024 was the word open. Lisa and I were visiting with one of our church families two weeks ago and in that conversation I was having, I was telling them how the Lord was give, showing me this word open. I was seeing it, I was hearing it, I was listening to different ministers throughout the whole year and then that word open just kept uh, brewing in my spirit and significantly as I researched I found out that on the Jewish calendar it is the year 5784 and if you know anything about the Hebrew language Hebraically it sim their, their numbers symbolize something and 5784 uh, Rosh Hashanah the new year of Judaism, it's open doors. Isn't that something? I don't think it's a coincidence, and I didn't know that before the Lord was giving me that word, and so as I researched, I discovered that. Uh, and so, you know, I like to ask questions. Some people like to get answers when they come to church. I'm more of the one that will want to present questions to you so that you will open up your Bibles, you will begin to pray, and you will let the Holy Spirit, who is your teacher, begin to lead you. I don't want to tell you how to think. I don't want you to think like I think. I want you to think. And so I have a question this morning. I'm asking myself this question. I'm asking you this question. Will you, will I, be open to the move of God in our lives this year? Will we, this is just a little bit more difficult. Will we be open to course correction? A lot of times in grace circles, we don't want to hear anything about correction. But listen, the Holy Spirit will deal with you as sons and daughters, and He will correct your course. He, he chastens or He corrects those that He loves. Why? Because if you are headed in the wrong direction, if you are headed down a path, that will cause you turmoil and destruction, the Holy Spirit will direct you away from that. The question is, are you open to correction? Now sometimes that correction may come from the pulpit. Thank you. 
I'm not here to condemn you or to beat you up. That's never what we do. We are on the same mandate. Can you believe that in four, six weeks, we are going to be 10 years old as a church? I cannot believe that Grace Life Church is 10 years old, February 24th. But, you know, Lisa and I, sometimes people ask us, why are you preaching things and repeating things but saying it a different way? Well, once we get it, then the Holy Spirit will lead us on to something else. But we are still trying, we have a mandate to remove fear from people's lives because the gospel does not have fear attached to it. Are you open to his plan, his will? Are you open to hearing his voice? That's my prayer. That's the question I'm asking myself. I, if you would like to write that down or put that in your memory bank and ask yourself those questions as you speak to Holy Spirit, uh, let me say this. I believe that we are under an open heaven. That word open. I don't believe that you have to uh, pray for it, beg for it, fast or intercede for it. The heavens are not brass. Matter of fact, the scripture says in Luke the third chapter as Jesus went down to the Jordan River to be baptized by John the Baptist that I love the way the King James says it, the heavens were rent. If you read the international version, it says the heavens were opened. The Father spoke from heaven and the Spirit descended as a dove. From that point forward throughout the Gospels as the heavens were opened, I never see the heavens closing back up. So we have been living under, walking under, operating under an open heaven. And I believe that people that, this is just Jamie, bang their heads and beat the floor are asking God for something that he's already done. And let me backtrack. You know, sometimes I, I get into a, a mode and I have to, I wish I could grab it. It's like toothpaste. Once it's out, you can't put it back in the tube. But, you know, I used a scripture a few minutes ago from Matthew 7, 7, and knock, ask, seek. That's old covenant mentality because he's already answered. We, we need to acknowledge that he has answered and that he is a God that's already provided before we ever ask. Hope that clears that up. But I'm concerned that the body of Christ has become complacent. You can say amen or oh me. <laughs> but here's complacency. Complacency is self-sufficiency, self-satisfaction, especially when accompanied by, and listen to this, unawareness. Unawareness of dangers and deficiencies. And when we become complacency and we become self-satisfied, self-seeking, self-centered and we become complacent even with where God wants to correct us in because it's self-satisfying and then we become unaware and I believe most of the blindness within the body of Christ is due to the unawareness but then there's this word contentment I posted yesterday there is a difference between complacency and contentment Sometimes people look at you when you're in a state of contentment and they think you're complacent. But the word contentment is to be at rest and at peace with what has already been given. It's to be humble and fully dependent upon Jesus. Listen carefully. 
which means there's no necessity for more. There's a necessity for awareness and maybe more knowledge of what you already have, but there is no good thing that he has withheld from you. That's right. It's been worked out and it's been worked in. 2 Corinthians, the ninth chapter, verse 8. God is able to make all grace, somebody say all, to abound to you that you always, here it is again, have all, say all, sufficiency. Do you know what the word all means in Greek? All. All sufficiency means contentment. And it's in all things that you may have an abundance for every good work. So that in everything you're doing in the kingdom of God, there's contentment with what you've already received and there's grace upon grace, gift upon gift, blessing upon blessing that we have all received from the fullness of Him. First Timothy 6, 6 says that godliness with contentment brings great gain. There's a difference between being complacent and being content. I believe we need to be in a place of contentment where we are aware of what we have and we're asking that, like Paul Peter said, that we would grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I said last week that God's original intent, and it's still His intent, is blessing, provision, and abundance. That was His intent in the beginning, that is his intent today is to bless you, to provide for you, and for you to have abundance and live an abundant life. Jesus said that I came to give you life and that more abundance. So abundance is part of the intent of God for his children. So we say, God, open our eyes to what we already have, what you freely given to you. Do you know it was the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom? You don't have to fight for it. You don't have to war for it. You don't have to battle for it. It was a gift. It says in Luke 17, it was the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Hmm. It's a gift. Turn with me to Ephesians, the first chapter. I've been in Ephesians. We studied it in our Wednesday night uh, last year. I've still been there. I was in Ephesians, the first chapter, verses 1 through 5 last week. We're going to look at verse 8 this morning. This is a prayer that um, I believe maybe it's 18, not 8, 118. Paul says to the church at Ephesus, I pray that God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination or your understanding. The word illuminate here in the Greek, and I'm not a Greek scholar, I'm a Greek student, and so I will mispronounce it with my hillbilly ease. It's photozo uh, and it means to bring to light so Paul's praying that God will bring to light that he will make them to see that he will shed rays upon and shine upon and illuminate the eyes which in the Greek the word eyes there is a phrase that means the mind so that understanding Proverbs tells us that with all of your getting get understanding and now Paul's telling the church at Ephesus, and I believe that we can pray the same prayer for one another for ourselves, 
that God would open, we sang it, open the eyes of our heart, Lord. Open the eyes of our mind. We're talking about open. We're living under an open heaven. We're asking the Lord, Lord, I want to be open to the move of God. Well, we have to see it. So open up, illuminate to us, shine upon, shed your light upon, and bring to light so that we can understand what you want for us in 2024 and beyond. Now when he speaks of light here, go with me to Revelation, the 21st chapter, verse 23. Let me explain something to you as I read this scripture. And the city, now the city here is not a place. He sets a precedent in the first chapter of Revelation. I saw a new Jerusalem, the city of God, coming down out of heaven, and he says that it was a bride adorned. So the city is a people, not a place. Over in the Gospels, it says that you are a city on a hill. So when it speaks of city here, it's speaking of you and me, the people of God. And the city had no need of the sun, neither the moon, to shine in it. For the glory of God did lighten it. And the Lamb is the light thereof. So when we're asked, when Paul is praying, God, illuminate our eyes. Open our eyes and illuminate. He's telling us the Lamb is the light. Jesus is the one who shines His light in us. He said He was the light of the world. Now He says you are the light of the world. I believe that complacency has developed in the hearts and the minds of believers from closed-minded thinking, making them unaware of the light. When you're closed off to something, let, just let me continue before I try to explain it too deeply. The minds of many are anchored in Old Covenant principles. Let me stop right there and park for just a second. New wine does not and cannot operate in old wineskins. Why? But do you know why they burst? Not new and old. He's right. He's not wrong. Is a mixture. And God doesn't believe in mixed drinks. <laughs> because there's the residue of the old is in that skin. So it's like if you take a Coca-Cola and you open it up and, and you pour it and you see all that fizz. And then you grab and you drink half of it. Then you grab a bottle that's been open for two years and it's flat as a flitter and you pour it into that new, it's going to make the new, ugh. The new covenant is not an addendment to the old covenant. The new covenant, it is, it is not a new and improved old covenant. He didn't refurbish it. But see, we're unaware of the light, Jesus, because we're so anchored in Old Covenant thinking and principles. I am not telling you to do away with the Old Testament. Please don't think that. Please don't walk out of here believing 
that at all. That's not what I am saying. But it is the system of that working and performing that when we get in that mentality, it anchors us. Let's, let's move on. The experience of the past interprets the experience of the present and influences how we perceive reality here and now. So if you're stuck and anchored in this system that tells you you have to work to achieve, and then come, Jesus comes along and says, just receive, and we have all received. It's something that is already given. We need to become aware of it and acknowledge it and recognize it. But if we think that we have to work and perform to receive it, then that causes an interpretation in the now that we miss the reality of the kingdom of God. So, Lord, open our eyes to your plan, to your voice, to your move. Here's what I believe it is. There's been no fresh revelation. No fresh vision. And without a vision, that word vision is the same word as revelation. And without a revelation or a vision, the people do what? They perish. We have for years been closed-minded Christians in the dark when we should have been Christ-minded believers walking in the light as He is in the light. And then when we do that, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus continually cleanses us. Arise and shine for your light has come. Awaken and be aware. Lisa said it several weeks ago. Awaken, sleeping beauties. Awaken to what you have received in the new covenant. Be aware of what Christ has done for you. I am not ignorant to Acts or to Ephesians 2 verse 10 that you are Christ, God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. I'm not throwing good works away. I'm just telling you that it's not works that gets you anything. But because you have everything, you do good works. Amen. Now, Ephesians 1.18, Paul is asking the Father to open the eyes of our mind so we can experience a greater revelation and a fresh unveiling of Jesus. Anybody want a fresh unveiling of Jesus? Francis Dutrois, who uh, is the commentator of the Mirror Bible, explains it like this. I pray that your thoughts will be flooded with light and inspired thoughts, that you will clearly picture his intent in identifying you to him so that you may know how precious you are to him. What God possesses in your redeemed innocence is his treasure and trophy. So I say, Lord, open our eyes that we may see that we are your portion and your prize. I say, Lord, open our eyes that we may experience that you are, that I am, the sum total, that you are the sum total of the measure of all of his wealth. Okay, Matthew 13, 44 through 46, you don't have to turn there, but it's two parables in three short verses that illustrate for us that Jesus is the man who sold all that he owned 
leaving his exalted place of glory to come and pay for the entire world with his blood just so he could have you as his treasure. Now, I asked last week, I'm going to ask again, how many of you believed and were taught and understood that the pearl of great price was Jesus? This is what I was taught. Most commentaries that I've read teach that. But if you really will pay attention to the story, I didn't own enough to go sell all that I had to purchase the pearl of great price. Heaven's kingdom realm is experienced when we realize how valuable and how precious we are to Him. I'm going to say that again. We need to get a hold of that. We need to open our eyes to the kingdom realm that can be experienced when we become aware of and acknowledge and realize how valuable and precious we are to Him. In Matthew 13, 46, He's the merchant. You are the pearl. Open our eyes, Lord, so that we are mesmerized by the merchant. I heard Damon Thompson say that this week. Mesmerized by the merchant. That's the passion translation. You and I, think of this, you and I prompted him to give up his life for us. And not only did he give up his life for us, he gave his life to us. Now listen to this, he wants to live his life through us. That's why it says that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion because the work that he did for us, for our salvation, it is finished. But the work that he's doing in us is an ongoing work so that he can work through us. That's good. Now back in November we talked about seeing things differently, remember? And we said this, what you stare at is what you will steer towards. I mean, Lisa has to hit me or say, Jamie, because I like to look at things. Driving down the road, and I'll be looking, well, did you see that stadium over there? And all of a sudden, we're, we're headed over towards the stadium. <laughs> I think I have a guilty party over here on the right side, too, Valerie said. What we behold is what we become. What you give your attention to is what you will become. When one is closed-minded, Jesus said in Matthew 13, verse 14, they look and pretend to see, but the eyes of their heart are closed. Their minds are dull and slow to perceive. They have deliberately shut their eyes to the truth. Otherwise, they would open their eyes to see and their minds to understand, and they would turn to me, and I would immediately heal them. Do you know this scripture was not towards the lost or the sinner? This was towards the religious. That they had deliberately shut, they had become closed-minded. See, when the scripture says that the kingdom of God suffereth violence, and those who take it, take it by force, it is not talking about you and I taking the kingdom, because that would go completely against what Luke says, that the kingdom was given to us. So the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious rulers, were under the law. They were uh, justifying violence to impede the progress of what Jesus was preaching. You see, because the law and the prophets were preached until John, but when John and Jesus came, they came preaching the kingdom. 
and they were trying to violently impede the progress of the kingdom and they deliberately shut their eyes to the truth. Who was the truth? Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. They shut their, They deliberately were closed-minded to anything that he had to say. There are two words in the New Testament for closed-minded or blindness. The first one is toothless. I can say that one because it's a lot, a lot like a bunch of West Virginians. Toothless. I didn't say that. Lord help me. I didn't. Be with all them pygmies down there in New Guinea. It means to blunt the eyes of one's mental capacity to gaze with the ability of seeing. And then porous means blindness due to a covering of a callous, an obtrusiveness to discernment or a dulled perception. Closed-mindedness. For 10 years, well, really for about 13 years now, once I started becoming public with it, I've been called a heretic because people are closed off to the goodness of God because God's good, but He's not that good. Well, if it's too good to be true, it just might be the gospel. <laughs> Go with me to 2 Corinthians, the third chapter, verses 14 through 16. I'm going to have to read this one off the screens. This is Paul talking to the Corinthians. The context is the comparison of the glory of the Old Covenant and the glory of the New Covenant. And it says, Their minds were closed and hardened, for even to this day the same veil comes over their minds when they hear the words of the former covenant, the Old Covenant. King James says at the reading of the law or the reading of Moses. The veil has not yet been lifted from them, for it is only eliminated when one is joined to the Messiah, Yahweh, Christ. So until now, whenever the Old Testament is being read, the same blinding comes over their hearts. But the moment one turns to the Lord with an open heart, the veil is lifted, and guess what they do? They see. Is there anything else on that one? I think that was it. If we are anchored in Old Covenant principles and we teach a system of performance and works to obtain or even to retain, because a lot of people will mix it and say it's a free gift to receive salvation, but to maintain and retain that salvation, X, Y, Z, A, B, C, you've got to do these. Obedience is not the root. See, Old Covenant obedience was the root. If you obey, I'll do these things. Believing is the root. Obedience then becomes the fruit of being aware and having your eyes open to what Jesus has already given to you. All things that pertain to life and godliness are yours. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of light. In whom... There is no shadow of turning. That means that he doesn't take it away from you just because you got mad at him and did something you shouldn't have done. Because the gifts and the calling are irrevocable. But if we're going to preach an old covenant system, we will continue to callous the eyes 
of men and women and they will be blind, they will be closed-minded, and they won't see Christ for that veil. So we must, we must preach Jesus. I don't think you could ever walk away from a service at Grace Life and not heard Jesus. A beautiful picture of who He is, what He has done, and what He continues to do for us and in us. So the vocabulary used here denotes a continuous cloaking or veiling over the consciousness of the mind to prevent the believing of truth. It comes by misunderstanding. It comes through tradition. It comes because of fear. And that continues to veil truth. Lord, open our eyes so that through revelation we will behold Christ and not the crisis. I believe when we're anchored in the old covenant, we focus on the crisis, Scott, because the crisis says, oh, I've got to do something or I've done something already that's caused the crisis. I mean, I've talked to people this week who said, something, I must have done something because this has happened. Not necessarily. Some things are because of our dumb decisions. And even in those dumb decisions, He's still Christ. He's still good. He still loves us. His intent has always been blessing, provision, and abundance. And it will continue to be blessing, provision, and abundance. Just allow Holy Spirit to give you a course correction. Repent, metanoia, change your mind, because the Holy Spirit has dealt with you, son and daughter, and then turn. That's what... Repentance is changing your mind about what you've been doing and the Holy Spirit touches you on that and says, no, I want you to do this. So you, yes, Lord, and you turn your direction. It's a change of mind and a change of direction. That's why correction is normally a course correction. It's not to condemn you and beat you up and punish you. It's to change your course. If the bridge is out on Interstate 64 and I know it, and I see you driving that way, I will jump up and wave and shout and say, I don't want you to go that way. I know that it's out. It will cause death, destruction, harm. So the Holy Spirit says, I know what's out there. Let me change your direction so that my intentions of provision, blessing, and abundance. Lord, open our eyes so that we see the Savior, not the situation. Jennifer, if you would come. The enemies, thank you. The enemy's tactic is to create illusions in your minds called distractions. Okay, can I say that again and look at the screen? The enemy's tactic, the battlefield is the mind, is to create illusions in your mind called distractions. If we give sight to them and ear to them, it will discourage us from our authentic identity. When we give ear to them, it dismantles our inheritance and causes us to stop enjoying life. It detours us from sharing the good news of God with others. Because they're illusions. It's not the truth. It's an illusion. And those illusions are what are distracting us. 
broken focus, misplaced attention, closed-mindedness, blindness, unaware of what we've already received, and acknowledging that I am precious to the Lord. I am valuable to the Lord. When I see that of myself, then I won't judge you. The light of God opens our eyes and it dispels fear, displaces darkness, and displaces favor. But as long as we're going to be blinded to that because of the illusions and distractions, we'll we'll continue in fear, darkness will be all around us, and we won't acknowledge and be aware of His favor. So, I want to close with this. Physical sight requires two elements. For me to see Todd, there's two things that are required. The first thing that is required is the light reflects off of an object and enters into the eyes. Secondly, the mind then interprets the object in line of sight based upon stored information. I'm going somewhere. I'm over here trying to get the speck out of his eye when the Bible says I have a beam in my own eye. Do you know what that beam is doing? It's blocking the light from entering the eye. When I get the beam out of my eye and then the light is, and my eyes are open, to receive the light that reflects on the object that I'm looking at, if I'm seeing it in the light of God, because I know that I'm precious and valuable in, my, in His sight, now I can see that He's valuable and precious. But even if I'm seeing it, if the stored information is anchored in the Old Covenant, i got to change the stored information. i got to reboot the system. I just went through all of my files from 2023 at work and at home and I cleared out all the 2023 files and I put them away and I made room for 2024. New information. I did the same thing on my computer with all my pictures. I made a file folder for all of the videos and pictures from 2023 to make room for new information. But if we're going to be anchored and rooted in a system that tells me I have to do something to obtain or retain, then I'm going to judge you when I see certain behaviors coming out of you because when I see you, I'm not seeing you in the light of a new, fresh revelation of who Christ is, so the stored information starts flooding in. I believe that we need to be open to allow the Holy Spirit to take us back in. I feel how To take us back into the past to deal with it. The problem that we get and the confusion that we have is, well, we're not supposed to dwell in our past. You're absolutely correct. But what's happened is you've heard don't dwell in your past and you've never dealt with your past. And there's a difference between dwelling there and dealing with it. And we won't have this stored information changed and renewed and have a fresh vision and revelation until we deal with it. We need to see His goodness, not our misfortune. 
We need to see His goodness, not our mistake. That's why He wants us to be sun conscious, not sin conscious. I'm not... Sin has been dealt with, but people are still sinning. Sin is a noun. It was dealt with. Fallen identity. Talked about it last week. Sinning is the act and we still are sinning. There are people that we make mistakes. We go our own ways. We, we do things that we ought not do and those dumb decisions have consequences. But guess what? So do the decisions that we make that are good and right. They have consequences. They far outlive the bad ones. Let's stand this morning. Just allow Holy Spirit. That's healing music right there. Just keep playing. Allow the Holy Spirit right now to just begin to speak to you.